Welcome back to the Foul Balls podcast for December 13th, 2017. Nine games slate, lots of injuries, uh, some value here also for us to talk about. First game on the slate, Clippers at Magic. So for the Clippers, um, Milos Teodosic started his first game back from a plantar fasciitis injury. He was limited to, I think it was 21 minutes. So I don't know exactly how many minutes he's going to play tonight. He's still going to be restricted in some way, but I think if he plays 25-plus minutes, he's probably a pretty good value play. He's somebody who should score somewhere around the fantasy point per minute. He doesn't score a ton, but he gets a lot of assists. He should get some steals, hit a couple threes. So I think that he could be a good play on DraftKings. Just kind of need to pay attention to what his minutes restriction is going to be. And then somebody else from the Clippers who I like from this game, Sam Decker, 3,500. He played 27 minutes last game. I think there's a pretty good chance that he ends up starting over Jamil Wilson tonight. So if that's the case, I think that Decker's a pretty good value play. From the Magic side of the game, Aaron Gordon's out. Evan Fournier is out. Aaron Afalo is listed as questionable, except it appears like he's not going to play. So I think the Magic starting lineup is going to look like Vucevic, Peyton, Simmons, Iwandu, and Hizonia. And if that's the case, I think Vucevic is a good guy to pay up for. I think Iwandu and Hizonia are both usable value plays. Uh, Simmons, I think, is okay. Also at 6,400, Peyton a little bit too expensive for me at 7,200. So this game actually looks really stackable. Um, yeah, I guess Peyton's, Peyton's a bit expensive, but there are several players worth using. I think DeAndre Jordan is really safe in almost any game since Blake Griffin's been out. Uh, Hazonia, Decker, I think that makes sense. One of Austin Rivers or Lou Williams will probably do well. I guess it could be both, but without Gallinari there, those are really the only two guys that can take a lot of shots for them. I mean, Teodosic cuts into the usage rate a little bit, but he's not taking a ton of shots anyway. He's more of a he's more setting those guys up. So I guess it hurts Lou Williams and Rivers for fantasy purposes to have his uh, to have Teodosic back just a little bit. Yeah, well, he takes away minutes from them also. Yeah, that's true, too. But they're, they're both still playing plenty of minutes. I mean, the Clippers really just don't have a lot of guards right now with Beverly and with Gallinari out. And then um, the Magic guys, I think there just aren't a lot of minutes there either. So Jonathan Simmons and uh, even Vucevic, maybe not the best spot for him because DeAndre Jordan is good defensively. But um, you could probably make the case for anywhere from five to seven players in this game. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's just a lot of cheap guys that are playing minutes. So next game is the Thunder against the Pacers. And uh, I guess, is this a, is this double revenge? Is this revenge for Paul George? <laughs> Does it count as revenge for Paul George? He has to be traded. Does, I, I don't, not uh, really sure, but... Maybe the, uh, the, if the crowd's booing him, then maybe he gets a little motivated because of that. Maybe that's what ends up happening. Well, one thing I do think, though, is... Well, I, I wouldn't even say this is an opinion. Paul George is cheaper now than he was uh, before he had the calf injury. And I think he should be fine going forward. And the other thing also is I do think this is a spot with him going back to Indiana. I think it makes sense that the Thunder would probably drop some plays early to get Paul George early touches in the game and get some shots up. So Paul George with a decreased price in a pretty decent up pace matchup against the Pacers. I do like him at 7,700. Uh, then I'm trying to see who else. I mean, Melo's just been so terrible, so that's a no for me. Andre Robertson's been ruled out, but, I mean, Abrinas, Jeremy Grant, I don't think either of them are really that interesting of plays, just because I think there's better value on the slate. 
think Westbrook does make some sense to pay up for. And then from the Indiana side of the game, the Thunder are the second best team by defensive efficiency this season. So there's nobody who I really want to go after on Indiana. Um, I mean, I know that Oladipo has been really good recently, but it's just it's just a tough matchup. There is some upside in Miles Turner just because he's only at 6,300. He's scored, I think, over 35 fantasy points now in three games in a row. His minutes have been way up recently. And the other thing to look out for is Darren Collison and Corey Joseph are both questionable. I have no clue who starts a point guard for the Pacers if neither one of them can play. It could be Lance Stevenson starting a point guard. Uh, I thought you weren't going to do it. I thought you weren't going to mention Miles Turner, but I definitely agree. I think he's in play just like he is every night just because his price is so is so low. It's not a good matchup, but Turner's too cheap. Yeah, I guess uh, Bojan Bogdanovic could play more minutes, but he plays a lot of minutes anyway. Maybe it's a little more usage for him, so maybe he's a decent play if those guards are out. Stevenson does make sense. I guess it would be an increase in ball handling responsibility for Victor Oladipo, but he's probably too expensive anyway. I don't know that that makes him a good enough play that it it takes away from that price tag, which has gotten so out of control, and it's not a good matchup for Oladipo, but it is a revenge game for him, so I don't know. Maybe maybe that's enough? Probably not. Uh, I mean, here's the thing. If it, like, Oladipo's been really good recently, I would want to use him if he had a better matchup. It's just that the Thunder of the second-best defensive efficiency in the league this year. So, I mean, that's really what leads me away from using Pacers players. I just think there is a chance we just get somebody ridiculously cheap starting a point guard because Darren Collison, the starting point guard, is questionable, and Corey Joseph, the backup point guard, is questionable, and they don't have another point guard on the roster. So I don't really know what they do if both of them are out. So that'll be something to keep an eye on for later. Next game on the slate is the Grizzlies at the Wizards, and this is one of the definitely least interesting games on the slate. We have John Wall, questionable. If he's able to play, I think he makes sense as a GPP play at 7,900, assuming that he doesn't have some really strict minutes limitations. But other than that, I'm off of this game. Yeah, this game has a total at 199.5. It's one of the lower ones on the slate. And the Grizzlies and Wizards, I think generally just aren't that usable of teams. Their prices have gotten a little excessive. So there was a time where Tyreek Evans probably made sense to use almost every night. But I, I don't think there's a lot of value on him. I don't really think there's value on anyone. So you could take the flyer on John Wall. But yeah, I think I agree with you. This is an easy game to avoid with so many games to choose from tonight. All right, Portland-Miami. And this is another game that I don't really has, have. I don't think it has a ton of fantasy interest. Uh, we have Nurkic, once again, questionable. If he's out, I, I still don't really think I like any Portland players. The one guy who I think would be worth rostering is Evan Turner if he starts again, because we have Mo Harkless questionable. If he's out, Turner is 4,000. He's playing about 30 minutes per game as a starter. So even in a negative matchup, I would be fine with Turner in the starting lineup at 4,000. And then from the Miami side of the game, if Nurkic is out, then the Portland defense is weaker and they play at a faster pace. I think Goran Dragic would make sense as a play. He's at 6,200. He's actually scored over 30 fantasy points in three of his last four games. Overall, he got off to a really slow start this year, but he's played better recently. It just doesn't really show in his total fantasy points because they've played in so many one-sided games that it's just limited his minutes. So they played against the Grizzlies, and they won by 25 that game. Then they beat the Nets by 
12, but that was a game where I'm pretty sure the Nets came back late and the starters just didn't play in the fourth quarter. And then same thing, there was the Warriors game where they lost by about 30 points. Uh, they lost to the Knicks by 20-something points. So there's just been a lot of one-sided games recently. So the per-minute production's been really good for Dragic. Just overall, the total production hasn't been great because he hasn't played in the fourth quarter in almost any of the games recently. So the two games that Nurkic has missed, uh, one of them was a really, really up-tempo game. There were 241 total points scored against the Rockets. The other game against the Warriors, though, uh, the pace was probably higher than it would have been given the rest of the circumstances, but it wasn't that high in general because the Warriors were missing Curry and Draymond Green. So there wasn't a ton of offense in that game. There were 215 total points. but Which that doesn't still ta- one of their highest-scoring games of the season, though. Yeah, it doesn't it doesn't take anything away from that Nurkic effect that there weren't more than 215 points in that game because that said more about the Warriors just missing some players that cause a higher pace in a more up-tempo game. I definitely still think it's true that Nurkic not playing is going to lead to more points on both sides. Uh, Whiteside not playing probably has the same impact. We've actually seen the total in this game rise from 201 to 203 already. And yeah, the Heat have had inconsistent minutes due to blowouts. So I think I think this game is really stackable too. Um, I don't know if there's a ton of value on the prices of the Portland guys uh, in terms of Lillard and McCollum, but guys like Turner and Alfarak Aminu, I think there is some value there. And then the Heat guys, I, I agree with you on Drogic. And I think you could kind of take a flyer on a lot of Miami guys for GPP, but it does seem like Drogic is the best one. But I, I don't think guys like James Johnson and Josh Richardson are bad plays either. Yeah, I like James Johnson. Josh Richardson, not as much, just because he's been so terrible this year. So that would keep me off of him. But James Johnson, I like. He has played better recently. He's starting now. He started the last three games. So they're playing him at power forward with Olenek at center. So I think James Johnson is a pretty interesting play for me and somebody who I like to use if Nurkic is out. Uh, next game on the slate is the Denver Nuggets at the Boston Celtics. So for the Nuggets, Jokic is currently listed as questionable. So it's just really hard to make any determination on Denver. Uh, the big man situation, Mason Plumley or Kenneth Fareed, it's it's just hard to know. The minutes go back and forth. Sometimes it's Plumley, sometimes it's Fareed. If Jokic is in, it doesn't matter because it's just going to be Jokic. But just have to look for an update on whether he's in or out. For Boston... Kyrie Irving is playing tonight. Al Horford has been ruled out due to rest. So with him out, there's a lot of minutes available in the Celtics front court. Uh, Aaron Baines and Daniel Tice are both likely to play a pretty decent amount of minutes. I mean, neither one of them are going to play like 30 plus minutes, but both of them should play somewhere in the mid 20s. And the other thing also is that with Marcus Morris out, there's also a chance that Tice and Baines share the court for stretches of the game, especially if, if Jokic is active. Because if Jokic is playing, then there's a better chance of the Nuggets playing some bigger lineups, which means that we could see Tice and Baines together. So far, they've only played together in two games this year, but they were both games where Horford and Morse were out, and that's the situation tonight. So actually, I don't have an issue with using both those guys together because they're both under 4,000, and they both produce reasonably well per minute. And then Kyrie Irving, I also think, really strong guy to pay up for at 8,200, the Nuggets, one of the worst teams at defending point guards in the league. Yeah, and Kyrie Irving probably also sees somewhat of a usage boost with Al Horford not playing. Horford does have some decent playmaking responsibility for the Celtics, and maybe Kyrie ends up with the ball in his hands more because Baines and Tice are not guys that are going to have high usage. Or 
I guess they have decent usage, but they just don't have the ball a lot. So it could just be more ball handling for Kyrie and more assists or a couple more shot attempts as a result. But yeah, Baines or Tice, I think one of them should be in most GPP lineups. Kind of hard to say which is the better cash play. I think it's Baines because he usually plays more minutes. But both of them, I think, I agree with you, are strong value plays. But if you had to pick for for cash, which one do you think is safer? And then I guess, is it the same guy for GPP also? No, definitely. I think Tice is more upside because he produces better per minute. And then I think Baines is a better cash play just because he plays more minutes. So there is the chance that Tice just doesn't end up playing a ton. I, I don't think it's likely, but I do think it exists. But I'm very confident that Baines gets a decent amount of minutes. But I also, yeah, I think it makes sense what you're saying, that if Jokic is playing, then both of both of those guys have to play even more to match up well. Um, we do have a Vegas line for this game at this point. It opened at minus eight, I guess with the expectation that Horford would be out and that Jokic would be out. And then with Jokic sort of trending towards a game-time decision, the line is now six and a half. So I think Vegas has just put up an in-between line where it'll go up if Jokic is out, it'll go down if Jokic is in. All right, so the next game on the slate is the Utah Jazz and Chicago Bulls. This game's a fade for me. Rocket Rod Hood back in the Jazz lineup. So with him back, just the minutes are going to be really spread out for the Utah guards. And then from the Bulls side of the game with Gobert back, it's just a really shitty defensive match. It's a really tough defensive matchup. So I'm just off this game entirely. Also, the lowest over-under on the slate by a decent amount. Yeah, it's at 198. I think it probably does make sense to avoid it. Um, just kind of quickly scanning for potential plays. If Laurie Markinen is out, I guess there's more minutes for some Bulls guys. Um, Nikola Miritich had a really good game the other night filling in in the starting lineup, but he was a bit cheaper than, I think he was 4,800. Now he's 5,200. The matchup is harder. Even in a starting role, I think he's probably not really usable, but I guess, I guess he would be one guy to look at if you were picking someone. Yeah, I mean, for me, it's just probably not going to be any of them. And also, uh, Markin and practiced in full yesterday, so I'm going to assume that he plays. Let's see. Next game, Bucks at Pelicans. So for this game, uh, I think Giannis is a really strong guy to pay up for. He's probably my favorite guy to pay up for on the slate. And then also, I think Bledsoe's in play. I think Middleton's in play. I think this is the highest over-under for any Bucks game of the entire year, 220. Usually their games are in the low 200s, even high, like, 190s. So to see them at 220, that's a massive pace up for them. From the Pelicans' side of the game, Anthony Davis said that he expects to be able to play. So at 10,200, I think that he makes for a decent GPP play, assuming that he's in. Obviously, way too risky for cash games. And then I would think that they really should limit his minutes a little bit. I know Alvin Gentry never does it, but this would be the spot where I think you have to limit Anthony Davis's minutes a little bit. Clearly, he came back a little bit too soon from the groin injury before. And DeMarcus Cousins, I think, is fine to use at 11,000. If I had to pay for somebody in this game, I'd still prefer Giannis. Uh, and then in the event that Davis does end up getting ruled out, then Cousins just does become just a ridiculous play. Drew Holiday sees a lot more usage. The minutes for Rajon Rondo, he was playing pretty consistently, like, 26 to 28 minutes and in the last two games rondo 43 minutes and 38 minutes so i think rondo is a decent gpp play if davis is out because if he's going to play that many minutes that's that's just a ridiculous workload 
Yeah, his ownership probably should be pretty high because he's an already too popular player relative to his actual ability to begin with, and he's quote-unquote on fire recently. I don't know. I don't have a ton of interest in Rondo. I I guess he could play 40 minutes again, but I think that kind of had more to do with the circumstances of those games where the Pelicans were just playing really well with specific lineups and just left them on the court for longer. And if Anthony Davis plays, then that kind of just means lower minutes for all of the guards. They don't have to play as much small ball. They can play Davis and Cousins on the court together. It kind of reduces the minutes for everybody. Um, If Davis is limited, then I think Cousins still is as strong of a guy to pay up for as most players. I do agree with you, Giannis would be the best guy to pay up for. It's it's a huge pace-up game for the Bucs, and it's an easy matchup for the Bucs. Uh, they're two and a half point underdogs right now. If Davis isn't playing, that line is probably too high. If Davis is playing, maybe it's a fair line. The Bucks are a better team than the Pelicans, and yeah, they, the the Pelicans don't really have anyone to guard Giannis. I guess no team is anyone to guard Giannis, but especially that team where uh, their two best players are their power forward and center. But I think you could also pay up for Cousins. So if lineup construction works out where you can fit two really expensive guys into a lineup then I think it makes sense to use Giannis and Boogie together because there is some correlation there with them being in the same game. But if Davis is completely unrestricted, then I think I would prefer the combination of Giannis and Davis for GPPs. All right, two games left. Next one is the Toronto Raptors and Phoenix Suns. Always fun to try to figure out a Phoenix game from the Raptors' side of the game. I mean, there's blowout risk in this Uh the Suns are also playing on the second half of back-to-back, so that adds a little bit of blowout risk. The Raptors are also pretty sizable favorites at 11.5 points. I think DeMar DeRozan and Kyle Lowry are both decent plays just because they have such good matchups. Uh, Jonas Valanciunas, I think, is a little interesting as a GPP play at 4,700. I think there's better value plays, except Valanciunas played almost 30 minutes in the Raptors' last game. So when you consider he played that much and how good this matchup is, just the chance that he gets that minutes again, he would have a huge game against the Suns. And then from the Suns' point of view, I feel like I have somewhat of a handle on their big man situation now. So they kind of seem to pick and choose at random which guys play and which guys don't play. Last night, Tyson Chandler started, and Greg Monroe was the DNP coach's decision. I'm going to assume tonight that Greg Monroe starts and Tyson Chandler is the DNP coach's decision since it's a back-to-back situation. And then we'll have Alex Len playing some minutes off the bench. I think Monroe is a pretty good value play at 4,800, assuming he starts. And then TJ Warren, I think, is in play at 6,700. As for the guard situation, it's just so hard to figure out the minutes between Tyler Ulis and Mike James. They were kind of close to an evenish split last night. I was a little more towards Ulis. Ulis played about 30 last night. Mike James played 20. The game before was Mike James played 30 and Ulis played 20. Either way, though, like Ulis this year is not producing per minute at all. I want to look at his uh, his numbers as a starter. So as a starter this year, he's playing 27 minutes per game and scoring under 20 fantasy points per game. So just looking at those numbers and then also that it's a tough matchup against the Raptors, I just kind of think Ulis is a whatever play. Like, if, if you have his amount of salary left for the last spot on your roster, you can use him. But or else, there's not a lot of upside. There's a little bit of risk that they're going to play Mike James more minutes ahead of him. So, nine games, I think, best off staying away from the Phoenix guard situation. So, the over-under in this game has actually gone up by a lot, and there isn't that much public betting on the over. 
Uh, it opened at 216.5. It's now 222. And I'm not really sure why. I mean, maybe Tyson Chandler, maybe, maybe the sharp money kind of expects Tyson Chandler to not play, as you were saying. And Greg Monroe being in the lineup creates more bad defense and I guess better offense because he's more of an offense-based player than Chandler well, Monroe's, is. Monroe's better on defense player than Chandler. Also, like Chandler just sucks. <laughs> so maybe Monroe plays faster or I don't know. I guess it could be it could be a referee thing. That's sometimes the reason why over-unders rise. But I just checked uh, referee tendencies for this game, which I, I usually don't do and it looks pretty neutral. Um, I guess the Suns are just really bad on defense and the Raptors should do well scoring against them. And, and the Raptors have been playing really well recently. So I think to start the season, I know that they, they were trying a new offense, and Kyle Lowry was really uncomfortable with it to start the season. And that's kind of reflected in his fantasy production, too. Because if you look at his first uh, like few weeks of the season, he only had two games where he scored over 40 fantasy points. And he's done that in almost every single one of his last 15 games. Like, he's averaging over 40 fantasy points, and, I mean, you look at recently, 52, 57, 44, 55, 32, but then 48, 41, 43. So, really high production for Kyle Lowry. I just think the Raptors are a better team now than they were at the start of the season. So, there is some upside for game stacking here, because I think the players will go fairly low-owned because of perceived blowout risk. And I think there are decent value plays like Lowry or DeRozan, probably lean towards Lowry with Valanchunas. And then for the Suns, I think you could easily use Monroe and TJ Warren. And then maybe you want to take a flyer on either Tyler Eulis or Mike James. But the core of Lowry slash DeRozan, Valanchunas, Warren, and Monroe, I think all independently are good value plays anyway. So there's no reason why you can't just use them all in the same lineup. No, I definitely agree with that. And this should be a really high-scoring game. Just the question is... Will it stay close? Which is the same issue we have with the last game on the slate, the Charlotte Hornets at the Houston Rockets. Uh, Nicholas Batum, it looked like he was going to be out, except he's gone from being out to probable now. So it looks like Batum's going to start. I I don't think Batum's in play for the near future because he said the other day after the game that his elbow is really bothering him, and he said it's affecting his ability to make plays and shoot the basketball. So he said that he doesn't think he's going to be healthy for the rest of the season, except he's going to keep playing because he wants to be out there to help the team. So with that said, I think that the guy to roster on the Charlotte Hornets, if anybody, is going to be Dwight Howard at 7,600. Just Howard without Zeller in the lineup has played more minutes, and he's had some really big games. So I think he makes sense. And then from the Rockets side of the game, Chris Paul is in play. James Harden's in play. I don't think I'd use either of them in a cash game just because of the blowout risk for this game. But for GPPs, they both have a ton of upside, especially Chris Paul, who, if I look at his recent games now, uh, his last few, 58-43-48, which is right around when the minutes restriction came off for him. Because when he first came back, he was playing kind of like low 20s to getting up to mid-20s. But he's been over 40 fantasy points per game since the minutes have been over 30. So I think Chris Paul, a lot upside. So I think the uh, blowout risk here is a little bit overrated. Uh, it probably will be overrated by the public. It does look like there's some sharp money on the on the Charlotte side. The lines moved from 12.5 down to 12 uh, against the public. I guess a lot of that is probably because Batum's playing. And Batum's I think pr- Batum playing hurts them, though. I don't know. I mean, they, they don't have a lot of 
wing depth right now. They have Cody Zeller out, so it's just one more guy that's a good player. I mean, even if he's struggling a bit, I think while he's not usable for DFS with that injury, he still helps keep the game close because he's one of the better players on the team. Yeah, I, I just think, to me right now, I think that Jeremy Lamb is a better player than Batum, and Lamb is just not going to play a lot of minutes now. Like, Lamb pretty much comes close to falling out of the rotation with Batum active. Yeah, it, it would be better if Charlotte just played both of them. Um, I guess that that that's a fair point, so maybe it doesn't help. But it, it seems like the sharp money does perceive it as helping. So maybe that line movement is just completely independent of Nick Batum because before he was upgraded to, to uh, probable, it did look like there was still some public bias on the Rockets side and some of the sharper money was coming in on the Hornets even before Batum was upgraded. Maybe Batum just isn't the factor at all. Uh, but either way, we um, we could have a closer game than people think. There's just There aren't really guys to use on Charlotte. It's a really tough matchup for Kemba Walker going against Chris Paul. I like Dwight Howard a lot, and then for the Rockets, I guess it's Chris Paul or James Harden or both, but there aren't a lot of players to use from this game, so Dwight Howard in the... Oh, it's a, it's a revenge spot for Dwight Howard, too, so maybe that maybe that helps him a little bit, but... Uh, every game's a revenge spot for Dwight Howard. <laughs> He's played on every team in the league. Yeah, but the, the, real, the real key for Dwight Howard is that since Cody Zeller got hurt, his minutes have been up, so that's what makes him a stronger value play. I don't, I don't really care about the revenge spot for him. All right, so that'll finish up today's podcast. We're going to be recording a football one later. You can follow me on Twitter at GRNBergDFS and Matt's Twitter handle is at PreachingSense.